Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through, the episode where a comedian talks to his dad who used to be a firefighter. He also used to be a cop as well, and he's sitting right across from me. I'm Paul Verhoeven and this is my dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, how are you? Paul, I'm really well, thank you. And uh, you used to put fires out, which is kind of a big deal. Mm. Well, you know, there are people in life that light fires, yeah, and there are people in life that put them out. And there are actually some people that are slightly disturbed that light fires and put them out. Really? Hmm. But, you know, arsonist. Sh- wait, arsonists don't put fires out, do they? Mm, because some of them are actually firemen. <gasps> okay, well, let's save that. Let's save that for later in the show. That is a thrilling, thrilling, terrifying tease with horrifying implications. This podcast actually started last week and... We talked about what it was like to get into the fire brigade, what you needed to do. If you didn't hear that episode, do go back and listen because Dad actually details, you know, the application process, which as it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you were trying to join the Avengers. It sounds very, very rigorous and very involved. But because we're absolute teasers, we stopped just shy of Dad actually putting out his very first fire. So, Dad, would you like to, you know, tell the listeners what it was like to, you know, confront a fire and put it out for the first time. At the uh, the training academy in Alexandria, they, um, as I said, they sort of gave you these weird, uh, this sort of uniform that was a partial fire brigade uniform. What do you mean? Well, you'd have um, these knee-high black boots. That sounds funny, doesn't it? These black boots that were made of the thickest leather, yeah. I mean, these are really up to your knees. I mean... And what you do is, Paul, you, why are you laughing? I don't know. Paul, it was a fucking good look. And the women, <laughs> I'll tell you what, they loved it. Because as the listeners will, um, as I will delve into, mm. when I actually became a professional firefighter and I was working at a fire station, when we'd rock up to um, to fires or even um, automatic fire alarms in North Sydney, because mm. I was stationed at Crow's Nest, I'm jump- jumping ahead a wee bit, but when we would get out of the fire engine... The, dare I say it, the love and admiration from both men and women mm. was palpable. You were a hero, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, because fireys, when they get out, it's all just... Look, you know, the, the, the fire engine is a very, very... I think it's a, it's a beast. It's a sexy beast. It's like a big bunch of metaphors on no, wheels. No, it's phenomenal. It's got pumps and hoses and guys wearing... 
you know, <laughs> fucking kinky gear, getting out, and it's just and and, and you know it's. But I'm I, I'm I'm getting a bit ahead of myself because I get a bit excited when I think about the fire brigade. Well, so do they apparently. Um, and then of course you've got well, we all know about the the calendar. Oh, the sexy fireman calendars, which I was never asked to be in. Were you offended? Are you you sound you seem a bit of a you seem a bit disgruntled about well, that. Well, you know. Anyway, that's just a. I know. I, I look. I know our listeners, and if I know our listeners, and I absolutely do. You've now planted an idea in their heads. Yeah, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> even it, if we... No, even if we just Photoshop your face onto Don't, 12, please don't. No more Photoshopping, because you make my head look so big, it's ridiculous. We do, Weaver Hovens do have big heads. No, Paul, that's... Look... No, we're a bit top-heavy. Yeah, but the thing is, um, look, you know, you jump out of... Oh, look, fuck, I, I've got to stop talking about it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's get back to the college. So, you know, they gave us this, this weird outfit, this blue shirt, but you still got the really, really nice... Pure wool. Mm. Do you know why the uniform? Well, back then it was called a lion tamer suit because, quite frankly, we did. We had probably twelve beautiful brass buttons, mm. two either side, travelling down our tunic, and you'd have your everything was wool. And you know, well, you don't know this because I'm about to tell you, but <laughs> our jackets, our fire brigade uniforms, our tunics, yeah. as they were called, they had a lining, but the lining was not sewn at the bottom. Do you know why? No. Because when you got incredibly wet, the water would just pass through between the inner uh, lining. It'd just because it, if it was all sewn the way most linings are in in suits and coats, can you imagine the water would just build up inside and you'd you'd be, you'd be a lot heavier. So the water needed to pass through. Why, what, what? Hang on, you're not you're not getting hosed down, presumably. Why are you wet, Paul? When you're in a big fire, yeah. And there's water from our soul to breakfast. But the water's going towards the fire. Yeah, but there's steam. Oh. And it's, look, that's let's don't get ahead of ourselves. Okay, okay. Because that's pretty exciting. It's very exciting. Actually, you know what? Going into a burning building is fucking great. But do you... Look, I'm just trying to figure out... I'm sorry, I keep getting ahead of myself. No, 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 that's fine. Because I think... You're right. Even as people talking about this profession, we are getting ahead of ourselves and getting excited about Mm. the process. Mm. So, the the thing about the police force is that it seems like there's 500 jobs and they're all fairly abstract, right? Like, there's different jobs in different fields. Ostensibly, firefighters do one thing. They do different kinds of that thing, but they're putting out a fire. It's Mm. like mathematics. You add water, you subtract the fire, and you're the person who exacts, like terrible vengeance on this elemental force it's mm. really primal and powerful mm. and you were the person aiming the hose at the problem yeah, yeah. so what was it like the first time you actually like snuffed a fire out what did it, what was it like well the very first time they uh, at the college they got us um probably four of us right onto the end of a hose holding the branch and they really put the water through it, and they they lit um, a a big um, you know some set up some big fire, mm. massive smoke. They used to use uh, diesel and petrol and and wet straw to create this incredible fire. Were the fumes dangerous? Mm, well, they generally look. We weren't. We oh, God. <laughs> it's the eighties. No Let's don't talk about fumes. Yeah. But um, you know, here's a question: Do you remember where you were in the high? Look, because obviously, do you want to be? Is it like a roller coaster? Do you want to be at the front? Is it the best place it doesn't to be? Really, it doesn't matter where you are. Really? Look, if you're at the very front, you're getting the brunt of heat. Yeah. So you'd be aiming... This is a sort of a, <clears throat> a tra- like a training fire, mm. and your objective was to put it out, but it made you realise how incredibly difficult it is right. to put fires out. It's, it's, it's a very arduous process. Some fires can take... Well, there are fires still burning in, in the world yeah. that have been burning for thousands of years. Right. Can you believe it? You mean like underground? <clears throat> underground fires, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in peat bogs and things like that. Mm. Just the sense of um, 
being it's, look, everyone's very, very serious at a fire. You know what you've got to do. Um, you know, you might have people inside the building, which is, you know, pretty full on. Sure. But we'll talk about that again. But how do you... Okay, so you've just told me that, and I didn't know... Well, I guess I did know, but I didn't even think about the logistics of actually using water to put fire out and how that could be difficult. I guess I just sort of ignorantly assumed that if you put water on a fire, it goes out. Now, here's a fun fact. I went to a factory fire. I'm really losing the thread here insofar as jumping ahead, if that's okay. But here's an example. You go to a factory fire, you start putting a lot of water into the fire, mm-hmm. and the water's not coming out. So what you can ha- what can happen is... Because water is incredibly heavy. Mm. It weighs 66 pounds per cubic foot. Sure. I mean, if you pick up a bucket of water, it's heavy. Yeah. But imagine throwing millions and millions of buckets of water into a big fire, and what can happen? The building can collapse. Oh, okay. Through the weight of the water. Mm. So that, that's just stuff like that. There was actually a lot of mathematics involved in, <clears throat> in calculating, you know, water usage, um, you know, operating uh, hoses at different altitudes. Like fire is, when they go up into a big building, they need to be given, because the, as they climb, they're losing pressure. Yes. So there are formulas, and, and the pump driver needs to crank up the juice at the pump mm. to give those fires. But what happens if there are fires fighting a fire but there are some down in the basement all feeding off the same pump they're going to be getting such scary pressure yes you're right uh, that they won't even be able to hold on to the branch mm. so there's all this stuff to consider and there's the there's the incredible adrenaline you know heading to fires that uh, you know, we'll talk about that later so um, tell, talk me through what if, if you can remember it what did it feel like putting out a fire fantastic <clears throat> incredibly exciting it was the teamwork yeah like firefighting's a team effort you know, I don't. There are very few situations, um, perhaps in the 1994 bushfires in Sydney, uh, which we'll talk about. That'll be a, probably a whole episode. But mm. you know, where, where each fire was just given some equipment and a street. <sighs> I was dropped off at a street and said, "This is your street," and it was fucking Armageddon. Jesus, that's that's different. Uh, that's when resources are stretched. Yeah. Um, but also, Paul, what I wanted to touch on is the whole concept of fire brigades. Mm. Um, the first known documented fire fire brigade was in Rome in about 60 AD. Really? And one of the Caesars set up this incredible fire brigade with 500 guys. And what used to happen is they obviously used to use buckets, you know, buckets of water, mm. and they'd rock up to a fire. But then what Caesar did is that he would then negotiate with the owner of that dwelling and he'd try and buy the place while it was alight, but he'd offer them such a low price uh, and if they accepted the price, the low price, uh-huh. his firemen, 500 of them, had put the fire out. But if the owner of that property said, you know, no, you get stuffed, uh, all the fire is to just go home. Really? Yeah, so there's a little historic fun fact. He was a bit of a dickhead. No, that, that, there were 12 Caesars. Yeah, so I'm talking about, like, <coughs> Julius. Well, yeah, this, this wasn't Julius. It wasn't Julius? That's more no. of a Tiberius move. Mm. Maybe a Nero? Nero wasn't Caesar. Nero's um... So I mean, Caligula would try and have sex with the fire. True, true, <laughs> true. But uh, so the history of fire brigades is really, really fascinating. Mm. And in in London, there were fire brigades in the uh, in the seventeenth century, right? And the firemen back then were, you know, obviously it was a fairly um, you just needed because the dwellings were all made of timber, and there was the Great Fire of London in in uh, in the seventeenth century. Yeah. So what yeah. happened was. 
the first fire brigade in the Western world, shall we say, I mean, obviously in America as well, but in England, Mm. was set up by the insurance companies. So what happened was every insurance company had their own fire brigade. So the fireys would rock up to a fire and there would be what was called a fire mark. Yeah. And as an antique dealer, I used to have a collection of these fire marks and I had one from Sun Alliance and funnily enough, they were made of lead and they had affixed them to the front of the building. So the fireys from Sun Alliance in London Mm -hmm. and later in Australia would rock up to a fire. The first thing they would do is they'd look up and see whether it had that particular insurance company's fire mark Uh attached to the front of the building. Yeah. If it did, they would then proceed to put out the fire. If the fire looked like catching onto properties next door Uh that were not insured, they'd let those dwellings build. Uh, Burn. Burn. Build. Burn. That's it. So, and of course, if they rocked up and there was... um, no insurance mark for that particular brigade. They, mm. They'd just go home. And they would let the fire take hold and burn. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It's nightmarish. Mm. So you had to be current. It had to have a current registration as well. as So if it was out of date, yeah. if it hadn't been paid, you'd go home. Sounds a lot like the American healthcare system. Mm. You know, just just capitalism run rampant. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. And then they began to start, start to amalgamate. Um, when I joined the New South Wales Fire Brigades... The funding was three quarters mm. of the funding for the New South Wales Fire Brigades when I was in the job was from insurance companies, one-eighth state government, okay, one-eighth local and municipal councils. Mm. So a, the bulk of it was from the insurance companies. That's very interesting. Which is really quite, quite fascinating. So, okay... You liked putting out fires. Mm. You, you enjoy- a great sense of satisfaction. You enjoyed putting them out. How do you put a fire out? Well, uh, one of my instructors once said to me, and this is rather simplistic, but it's resonated and stayed with me forever. Mm. He said, big fire, big water. Isn't that great? And another thing they used to say to us at the college, we never take the water permanently. We simply borrow it, which is a really fascinating... That was perhaps... When you when you look at the cycle of water, yeah, what happens to it? Evaporation goes up into the sky, mm-hmm. turns into a cloud, comes back, rains, goes into a reservoir, goes through the system, and eventually, uh, you know, ends up in a fire hydrant. Right. Um, the whole thing about fire hydrants is, um, I, I mean, people when they drive along the streets in probably any city, like I know that in Melbourne you've got fire hydrants that are above ground, mm-hmm. uh, like in America, which is kind of I think it's a great idea. Whereas in Sydney. They're all underground, and that poses a lot of problems like for what? fireys. Like well, what? Well, fi- locating it. Oh, you right. rock up to a fire. Like a Y-shaped stick, just running around trying to divine where the damn Yeah, look, it's, is. It's, it's, it's terrible. I mean, many, many a fire engine has parked on top of a hydrant. Oh, shit. And it's fuck. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And, you, and then you've got to try and locate the next one. And, right. But we can talk about that down the track as well. Okay, so can you tell myself and the listeners a thrilling tale of bravery involving putting out a fire? Preferably something right near the beginning of your firefighting career. So, Paul, um, one of the things that they taught us um, at the college, they they took us into the tower, which was about maybe six or seven storeys high, and they lit a, um, a bale of wool... Uh, Available, a bale of hay. Yep. And they, so they used diesel and petrol. Mm-hmm. They immersed and then they covered it and they poured water on it and then they light this thing and the smoke. Now we're all standing around with no breathing apparatus in this room. In, and, a, in a room? Yeah, in a room. And we're watching this uh, bale of hay ignite and the smoke goes up to the roof. And this is why it's really, really important to have these things explained to you so basically, so you understand the fundamentals of what happens in a fire. The first thing that happens, you have a flame, then, you know, you've got this, um, the smoke, and then the smoke goes up to the ceiling. If there's nowhere for the, the smoke to go, it then rolls across like a wave and it covers the ceiling and then it starts to come down. Yeah. But it's perfectly flat it's like a flat cloud mm. and it just drives slowly 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 and then our instructors would say to us now i want you to stand and actually get into the smoke so you get a sense of how bad it is and then you see it's all sort of gassed no breathing apparatus and then it kept going down 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 and then you get on your knees but eventually the smoke gets down and then it stops really the smoke cannot go right to the bottom and that's when they say get down low and go 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 I remember that from school yeah yeah. and that means that if you're a, a any person and you're in that situation if you get your mouth low enough to the ground mm-hmm. there's air down there right isn't that fascinating yeah that the smoke doesn't actually go is it, all the way to the floor do you know why that is well I guess it's to do with the pressure okay. of the smoke it, it sort of presses down on that last bit of oxygen in the mm-hmm. room yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And they used to use this term called chewing smoke. Right. Um, and there were still some firefighters when I joined the job that used to think it was very macho to go into a fire without breathing apparatus. What? Yeah. And uh, we, we actually had a particular officer that used to almost sort of scoff when you'd put your breathing apparatus on. And he'd sort of go in, no breathing apparatus, and then come out and almost asphyxiate. Is he... Insane. <sighs> you know, madness. Yeah. And then, of course... We also had, used to have what was called a dress uniform, where like a peaked cap and, and a blazer and, and mm. it's kind of like a sort of very upmarket, bit, bit like a police uniform, yeah. only to be used on ceremonial occasions. And we used to do drills, so we did marching and oh, more all of that. bloody marching. You know, all that sort of stuff. And um, just to sort of to instill a sense of, um, you know, being able to work as a team, yeah. mental discipline. Yeah, and we used to exercise every morning. We used to hop into a little bus drive down to Bondi or Centennial Park and just run and a lot of my class we we had a few guys in my class one guy was a sort of semi-professional rugby league player and yeah so we used to sort of maintain a lot of physical uh, strength and yeah it was great but putting out fires yep you keep coming back to putting out fires Paul yeah it's because it's a podcast about fires and I want to <laughs> hear you to tell you I want you <laughs> I want you to tell us a story about putting out a fire okay well um 
Shit. Well, that's we. The show. Should we just leave the academy? So, what else happened during the rest of your time at the academy? Because I mean, that's not really very long. It sounds like the length of a TAFE course. God, Paul. <laughs> Wait, look, did you just I'm go not... to TAFE? Are you talking up a TAFE degree? Because oh, I've got one of those. Paul, look, firefighting. <laughs> Jesus, Paul. Don't diss TAFE. No, no, no. Look, it was. You just had to learn how to use all the gear. And another thing you had to do that was really, really full on. Yeah. Uh, and a really important part of the, the time at the college was to go to motor school. And actually learn how to drive a fire engine. Oh, see, mm. I heard I heard murder school, which is a whole different motor course. school. Motor school. Mm. So to drive a fire engine. Mm. I mean, I can't. Oh, sorry, listeners, I can't drive. So the prospect of driving something that is ostensibly like like a long brick, because the shape of a fire truck is a nightmare. Mm. It's not like a bendy bus where it pivots in the middle. How did you find going from a patrol car? which you drove in the police force or even like a paddy wagon to, you know, a, tr- a fire truck. Well, what's it like driving a fire truck? Really, in- really exciting. Right. I mean, even just under... I remember the first time I took that truck out of um, the the college mm. and and our instructors too, they were pretty cool guys and they, you know, that was their job to, to train everyone and you had to get a lot of kilometres under your belt. Right. Because you, you really do need to get a sense... Because a truck is a big... Well, it's big. It's a truck. And, uh, but this is a special truck. Right. All right, because it carries 1,800 litres yeah. of water. Huh. Now, when you drive around a corner at speed, yep. the water wants, wants to jump out of the engine. So the physics of driving the truck... Very, oh. very much different. And and you've really got to... You know, you drive them hard and fast because you're going to a big fire under mm. a lot of stress. You're, you're ne- negotiating around... Um, a lot of traffic, but you've also got people that might be in the car in front of you that are listening to music and they just can't hear. Right. And um, and you know you're trying to sort of get around and it's it's full on. Um, but then, but here's the thing: when in the fire engine, when you get posted to a station and eventually you, you become a motor driver, yeah, the driver of the fire engine is the guy or girl, but back then most likely a guy, it was his job to figure out where you had to go. Yep. So the job comes in to the fire station. You had to read the printout. You had a massive map in the watch room. Yep. You needed... It's We didn't have sat-nav. We didn't have all these fandangled things in the front of the fire engine to tell you where to go. It was a matter of using a street directory. Yeah. And your job was to get the crew, which was the station officer who'd be sitting to your left, mm-hmm. and, and two guys behind, Yeah. unless it was a, um, a massive super pumper. But we'll talk about that down the track. That sounds rude. Yep. Once you eventually found the fire, yeah. you would then have to get water in. That was your job. And because the station officer's off checking out what's going on, yeah. assessing the situation, the two guys in the back have got breathing apparatus on, they're going into the fire, uh-huh. and they're going to take the first aid, which is that, that 1,800 litres that you're carrying on the, on, on the engine. Yes. That gives them between six and eight minutes. Six and eight minutes, that's all? And then they run out of water. That's all? Yeah, so what, what do you have to do as the motor driver? Um, ask You've them. got to find water. You've right. got to get it into the pump. Otherwise, they're fucked. Um, so if they're inside a big fire and they run out of water, well, you don't need to be hang Einstein. on, hang on. How do you? Oh God, the logistics of this are crazy. Mm. But presumably, you didn't start um, driving the motor and doing that. So no, well, you learn at the the academy, right? And you learn, and you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres under your belt. Mm. Then you begin to learn about how to get the pump 
and all the, everything in gear. Yeah. So what you do is you learn about getting water in from a hydrant, which is a whole fucking palaver. Right. And it's really full on, and it's the seconds count when you're at the, at, at the coal face. Oh, Christ. And you've got... Look, it's just fucking intense. Right. So, okay, you're at the academy. You're learning how to drive these things. Now, forgive me, just for listeners, just to reiterate, how long were you at the academy? From memory, 12 weeks. 12 weeks, TAFE course, totally fine. Certificate 3 in firefighting, right? Look, the best the best way to learn about firefighting... Um, is to put fires out, I'm Is guessing. to go out, is to go and get amongst it and work with experienced firefighters. How much of your training time was spent doing things that were practical? Was it all practical? No, there was there were inane moments of just total fucking mindless boredom. Okay. Towards the end of the course where they realised that we'd pretty well learnt, you know, most of what we had to know for that for for our rank that were you know we're going to be a junior what what they call a fireman uh, when they go out into the stations you are called yeah get ready for this the junior man oh that's your title you are the junior man in other words the junior man gets all the, the shit jobs and believe you me there are plenty of shit jobs at a fire okay um now i'm going to say something to you now um i'm going to say this to you only randy young girls bite my balls any thoughts? Only Randy Young girls bite my balls. Now, we're all familiar with um, sprinklers. Yes. And you've looked and you see the little red bulb of, um, you, know, you know, there's the little red bulb. And if you break that, then it sends, it creates a drenching situation and starts to put out fires. What causes that to break? Heat? Uh, heat, yeah. yeah. Or, or what happens sometimes is that a car going to a car park will inadvertently knock one of them. Right. So what happens then? Um, so only randy young girls bite my balls, funnily enough, are the colours of the different bulbs. And uh, each what like, only is orange, yeah. randy's red, Why? young yellow. is yellow. G, green. Yep. B, blue. Close, black. M, mauve. <laughs> oh, fuck. The thing is, Paul, that they all mean that yeah. what happens is the red's the most standard one. That's the one that pretty well everyone in the world's seen. You see them in hotel rooms. But how? To, what What actually activates a sprinkler head? It's it's what it is. It's red mm. or or yellow or black. The liquid or green. Here's something that I I remember from my college days that I found and still find fascinating. When they manufacture these bulbs with water in them, it's just water. No. I used to think it was alcohol or something weird. They inject a bubble into the fluid and then it's sealed. Now, what happens to oxygen when it heats up? Oxygen expands. But the fluid around the, the bubble can't expand. So as the heat is affecting the little oxygen bubble inside this um, glass sort of canister, yeah. the pressure from the expanding air bursts the bulb then that unleashes an, a, t- a torrent of water whether it be in a stored like one whole floor of a big building is just full of water yeah. for that purpose uh-huh. or it comes through um, the mains into the building and it's pressurized and that puts the fire out you with me yes so that with a with a fire sort of bulb that's working say down at in a like a, a foundry where they've got molten steel mm. they're not going to use the red one because it'll be going off all the time because it's so hot. So they put a bigger air bubble. How's that? Hang on. People are going to think it's a bit sad that I get excited about that. No, no. I just want to know how the bigger air bubble... Takes longer... Why? ...to less, expand. Less pressure? Yeah, less pressure 
which means more heat. You don't know. I do know. Bloody TAFE students. Fuck. Oh, that, that's, offen- that's mildly offensive. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with TAFE, Dad. No. No, okay. All right, so we've learned about bulbs. No, it's so fascinating. I'm not saying it's not. So, you know, if I go up to any firefighter and, and use that little thing, you'll about, be... they'll probably know, they'll go, oh, yeah, that's the, the colours of the... That's how you remember them. Now, you don't think they've maybe changed that, updated it for 2020? Maybe they have. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit old school. Okay, so you finish at the academy after 12 weeks of rigorous acronyms. Oh, hang on a sec. Yep. Here's a question for you, Paul. Mm. What happens if we go as firemen to a fire? Yep. Um, I'll give you a really good example. Luna Park. Ah. Do you recall they had that terrible fire? In the roller coaster, in the yep. ghost train, right? The ghost train. Yes. One of the problems that on that particular occasion was they had real problems getting water. So the fire brigades... Have you ever noticed on the back of fire engines you've got these really, really large, like 12-inch diameter, big black hoses? Uh, And they're solid? No. The reason they're solid, they're used for drafting. So the next time you have a look at a fire engine at the back, you'll see lots of nozzles. Um, They're outlets. Uh So the hoses are connected to those. Yeah. But there's a massive one in the middle, generally. And that's for drafting. So what happens is the fireys get these massive black hoses yep. off the top. They connect them up and they put them into a, like a fixed water area, like a swimming pool or Sydney Harbour. Or the ocean, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got eternal, as long as you've got fuel. Um, so it, the, the, the fire engine, the motors are sucking the water in. Into the tank where the and hoses then it, get them. And then you can then control that and then you deliver it to the fireys that are fighting. It's, it's bloody fantastic. Interesting. Um, okay. All right, so you finish your 12 weeks uh, at the academy, and then... And then we all had to be weighted to, to where we were going to be posted. And was, that, was there a big wait there again? Or well, it was you... exciting. It was like in the movies, when, uh, like in um, Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde? Was that a movie? Yeah, but it's about a law student. Yeah, hello. You remember what happens? Oh, I thought you were... They go and look at the notice board to see where they're going to be posted or who was... Who did what and why? I, was, I thought you were implying that she... Because I haven't seen the film. I, oh, I was it's a good film. I was guessing the plot twist wasn't that she got posted to the fire brigade. <laughs> the analogy was that we all went to the notice board and looked and saw our names. Sure. All, all ten of them. And you were stationed where? Again? I got to Crow's Nest. Crow's which Nest. Which is a, uh, a district station. Yeah. Uh, busy with big aerial platform and, and a massive crew of at least... Well, if you work out, there are four platoons in the fire brigade, yeah. A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. Um, and back when I was a fireman, we used to do two days, two nights, four off. Yes. So effectively, you had six days off out of eight. Jesus. Which is just unbelievable. That's crazy. Mm. No wonder people try and get into these jobs. Jesus. Yeah, I, I weirdly, that's not why I joined the fire no, brigade. No, no. But I, you're right, you're right. Yeah. A I lot bet. of people go, oh, yeah, but look at all the time off. Well, I said in episode one that I remembered you being a firefighter. One of the things I remember is you lamenting the fact that there wasn't... Like, occasionally, you just wanted, you wanted to be putting out fires. You were there to work. Um, and I think what we'll do next week is we'll dive a bit deeper into what it was like on your first outing as a firefighter. Yeah, I, I remember my first uh, shift at Crow's Nest. It was an afternoon shift, and we'll talk about that next, next week. Let's do it. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode two of Loose Units, Hot Stuff Coming Through. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you're enjoying hearing about how Dad segued from police to forensics, to work cover authority, and now to the fire brigade. Don't forget to head across to iTunes, rate and review the show, and we'll see you next week for more Loose Units. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 